The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a proud member of Direction Point, a Doctor Who podcast network. Allons-y. I'm sorry. It's French. But let's go. This is the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. On this podcast we travel all of time and space discussing Doctor Who in a completely random order. It's a brilliant idea. It's so simple only you could have thought of it. Oh. I'm the Doctor. These are my new best friends. It's the entire universe on Shuffle with your hosts. Eric Goldbranson. Asad Keshke. And Matthew Kressel. I'm the Doctor, and if there's one thing I can do, it's talk. There's something you better understand about me, because it's important. And one day, your life may depend on it. I am definitely a madman with a box. And now we're getting somewhere. More like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. everyone and welcome back to the police box in the junkyard podcast i'm your host eric Branson. with me as always my friend and co-host mr asad keski how's it going today asad not too bad how are you oh i'm doing pretty good all things considered <laughs> yeah uh it's been a while since we've done a recording and at that i have the uh i do have some unfortunate news that we have like the show that we so much love to discuss have now our first official missing episode because I have deleted the Zoom recordings of our last show that was supposed to be on the Empty Child uh, Doctor Dances from the first series with Christopher Eccleston. One of my favorite episodes, and uh, we all just gushed about it for over an hour, and uh, surely it was going to be a fantastic episode that unfortunately none of us will ever get to hear because of, uh, yeah, my digital butterfingers. But anyway, that's... um, it happens, and um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, these things happen. It'll uh, it'll become the stuff of legend, right? Like the missing episodes <laughs> of Doctor Who. Um, yeah, those were deliberately wiped, so that's a whole different level. Yeah, of... <laughs> that's true. This was certainly not deliberate. Yes. That's a, that's for sure. Um, yeah. So uh, I was talking to to Asad just uh, shortly before we started recording um, about possibly putting together a like blog post style version of that. Uh, based on the outline that I still have from the show. And we'll see if we get around to that. We also discussed the fact of if the randomizer ever pulls it up again, maybe we'll just redo the show. So I think maybe that's the what we'll go with at this point. But I would certainly be up for that. Anyway, so if you were looking for episode number 14, uh, it no longer exists. And I'm not going to renumber. We've gone on to 15. We're going to just, you know, keep it there like you do for a, you know, fallen compatriot of some sort. So. <laughs> but, um. Other big news for the podcast, our friend and sometimes contributor, uh, Larry Van Mersbergen, has put together a Doctor Who podcast network, which is launching, uh, has launched, has a Facebook page now, so check it out. It's called Direction Point, a Doctor Who podcast network, and um, we have been invited to be part of that, and I want to right away say a big thank you to Larry for putting that all together, and thank you for inviting us to be a part of it. Uh, There's four fantastic podcasts starting that out and yes i'm calling our our podcast fantastic as well uh but the larry's show the doctor who collectors podcast um a show that i have uh, been been fortunate enough to be a guest on which is uh tony witt's show the target or the i always have trouble with the name the target doctor doctor who book club podcast um you just yeah, want to say I, TARDIS. <laughs> yeah, I do. It uh, won't come out right. And then um, 
a great show if you haven't heard it yet, but our friend and also sometimes contributor Nathan Laws has a uh, classic who uh, rewatch and order show he's doing with a friend of his uh, called Time Streams, and they they have a really good rapport and they're it's a really really good show. Um, so check out any of those. If you found your way to this podcast, you should be able to find your way very easily to those by visiting uh, Direction Point. And if you came to us through Direction Point, um, welcome. This will be our first official show as a member of Direction Point, and we uh, are happy to be here. So I think it's very exciting. So um, Asad, is there any uh, news for uh, anything going on in the world of Doctor Who that has you interested? Have you seen anything uh, heard anything any uh <laughs> well i mean it's old news now about uh russell davies coming mm-hmm. back so <laughs> yeah we hadn't had much of a chance to talk i know we we exchanged a few messages yeah. when the big news came out and um lots of excitement about russell davies coming back to the show and you know understandable excitement yeah, because uh certainly he is you know just about as big a name as you could have possibly hoped to fill those shoes but it's kind right. of a, I know in my opinion it's kind of a weird move for the series it seems a bit safe and it seems oh, totally. a bit like uh <laughs> backward thinking and a little bit like you know bringing jj back to direct the third star wars movie in the sequel trilogy kind of move <laughs> but hey i mean well to bring a star wars reference in but um i never judge anything before i see it and i'm sh- he's a great writer so i'm certain there's going to be good stuff but yeah, I mean, a little he's certainly bit. Been, sorry, he's just, been producing some great stuff after leaving Who. I mean, uh, yeah. I've loved years and years. I have not seen, uh, what is it with, I forget now, his, uh, what is it, Without a Sin? No. Yeah, something like that. I, I'm bad. I'm a bad, uh, but, uh, bad but fan. I do know that I'm it had, uh, I know that it had a little Doctor Who reference in there too. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think before and after doing who he always uh, keeps the references uh, yeah. in his writing. So, <laughs> and he's never been too far away from it. They've always he's always been a person that they. I don't know if it's the press that goes to him or him that keeps the door open, but he always throws a comment here and there about you know he's always been attached to it in some way. Yep. So I, I guess I'm not totally shocked. Just I don't know. I I think a lot of the fan backlash about the Chibnall era and the Thirteenth Doctor and da 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 da. They wanted to make a very safe and, uh, you know, choice that nobody can get too upset about. And yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I wouldn't I would hope that their decisions wouldn't be driven that much by backlash because it's always the unhappy people who are the loudest. And I don't have numbers at my for to show any indication of whether Doctor Who was dying or anything like that. So. (laughs) <laughs> I think there's a certain group of people out there that would tell you that's the case, but I don't think the numbers support it. Yeah, I think neither. it was, I think it's almost <laughs> just as popular as it's ever been. And and if, you know, day of airing ratings are going down, I think that's just a trend throughout the industry. Oh yeah. Uh, if you're comparing it back to, you know, back to it's what people are calling the new golden times, the Davies era and, and such, yeah. certainly you're going to have higher numbers then because people, the entire, the way that people consume television is entirely changed. So. Oh yeah, there's so many more shows, so many more platforms. Everything is like, uh, and certainly in the states, it's become a little more difficult to find. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was it's, pretty uh... confused about where the third, where this episodes, new episodes were airing. Like, is it HBO Max? Is it AMC Plus? It's everything just seemed <laughs> keep changing. Yeah. So... <laughs> well, and there, 
the AMC plus thing kind of blew my mind. I happened to just be scrolling through it at one point. Cause I had a free trial. Cause I wanted to watch a movie, I think for my other podcast or something. Yeah. I saw it was on there. I'm like, why is doc, what's doctor who doing on AMC plus? <laughs> like, so when did this happen? But I think it should be interesting. I'm curious to see if whether, uh, he might be able to lure Moffat back into the world of doctor who to write. So, yeah. Rather than as a showrunner. Um, that, that, that was that a, might, might draw him back. Mine right away. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it should be. Did you? I don't know if you read the novelization that he did of uh, Rose. I um, didn't know, but I'd like to. I think I might even have a Kindle copy of it. Um, because he threw in, in one section, he throws in um, a description of possible future incarnations of the doctor that Clive has run into in his research. And I mean, there were some one, some there that would probably like, if people were annoyed now, they'd be like super annoyed then because <laughs> I know that I remember that one of them was maybe it's like somebody with a samurai sword. And one of them was supposed to be like, I think a, a, a teenage person of color in a futuristic uh, hover chair. So... Oh yeah. You know, I think, <laughs> I, think so I, I read something about that one. Yep. I don't know if he'll re-explore some of his ideas that he had. There. Well, and so many people have been yammering on about, oh, he's going to come in and retcon the timeless child stuff and da, 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 da. I guarantee he's not going to do that. He may not reference it directly and he may just move on, but right. I, he's not going to, he's a better writer than that. He's not going to come in and just rewrite everything that Christian yeah, That would wrote. be a lot of effort, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and it would be a waste of his and all of our time. I mean, not to be, <laughs> you know. I mean, but, it it but. it may end up it it may end up being just one of those things like the half human reference from the TV right. movie. It's like, yeah, it was mentioned, but yeah, we don't we don't talk yeah. about it too much. And let's not forget. <laughs> no, we'll we'll get to the book we're actually covering yeah. soon here. But uh, <laughs> let's not forget that this storyline isn't even finished yet. So we right. won't know until you know the end of the Thirteenth Doctor's era what is really what right. what it's really leaving us with you know right so, yeah yeah it could you know, i mean it could still be just a big take out by the are, master who yeah. is of course so the most reliable person <laughs> all of these people are so angry and they all, the only word we have on this is the masters so they're, they're just falling for his plan at least that's where my head cannon's at right now so but i'll see yeah it's something that can yeah, <laughs> best not to go into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, suffer an entirely different show, but yes. And now we take a quick break to let you know about some other excellent podcasts that you should check out. Hi, I'm Juliet. And I'm Nathan. Experience Doctor Who from the very beginning through a classic fan's eyes. And through the eyes of a new Who fan. Reminisce and relive those classic moments with Nathan as he offers fun insight. Or experience them for the first time with Juliet as she dwells on social issues, history, fashion, and the size of a flashlight. We're the Time Streams Podcast. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. They all say who, who is Dr. Who? Hello. I am Larry Van Mersbergen, host of the Doctor Who Collectors podcast, part of the Direction Point Podcast Network. Do you collect Doctor Who? Do you want to start collecting Doctor Who? And you don't know what's out there? Then tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors podcast, available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast, part of the Direction Point Podcast Network. For great Doctor Who podcasts, go to directionpoint.org. 
Hello fellow time travelers and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip, and every two weeks or so I'm joined by a two to three person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979, that would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Allison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You are listening to the Police Box in a Junkyard podcast, a Direction Point podcast. So yeah, let's uh, get to the book that we covered. Um, so it took us a little bit longer to get through. It's a it's a novel length uh, short story collection by Big Finish uh, called the, part of their Short Trips uh, series. This was volume number twelve of the series. Um, short Trips all are collections of themed collections of uh, Doctor Who short stories by. Um, a collection of you know many writers some that have written for big finish some that have written for doctor who some and etc uh this one was short trip seven deadly sins and was edited by david bailey uh features fiction by gareth wigmore mark mark wright tara sims paul majors uh john bins david bailey again rebecca levine and with the wraparound material written by jacqueline rayner so um, Tara Sims is apparently actually Stephen Cole. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. Wow, I did not know it's that. a little more but, familiar name. <laughs> yeah, Stephen Cole. I, reckon, I think I've read a couple of Stephen Cole books, actually. So <laughs> at least one. Um, that's interesting. I did not know that Tara Sims was, yeah. And um, I don't know if this is, if they continued the numbering, because I think the short trips were first started in uh, in the Virgin days, the New Adventure days. Um, yeah, I think there was some sort of crossover in... Big finish picked them up. I don't know. Yeah. I, I should probably know, and uh, I don't, but <laughs> um, that's how, how good my research was on this. But Actually, I, book, I'm, I, I may have to take that back because I think that they called them Decalogues. So, yes, uh, Decalogues so was definitely <laughs> Virgin Publishing. Um, I think, but this is based on the same idea. I think the Decalogues right. were very similar uh, group, you know, group of writers, people that were writing for the Virgin books. And another reason that there may be some confusion is I think a lot of these writers also were involved with things like the Decalogues or at least writing right. fiction somewhere <laughs> in the world of who. So, um, yeah. So I'll give you a little blurb the, from the co back cover of the book. The darker side of human nature is a terrible place. It's twisted pathways and dismal corners lie ready to lead even the most virtuous traveler astray. And when someone making just one wrong step, the darkness is quick to close in and engulf them. Between these covers, you will find seven tales of vice exploring the dark places at the edge of the universe. The doctor tries to stand against the tide to bring even a chink of light, of hope. But what good is it when he cannot even save himself from the seven deadly sins? Alone, these seven stories tell terrible tales of misadventure, misdeed, and misery. Together, they reveal an even darker story. So... It's a little uh, more dramatic than the book. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I do think what they got right is the uh, that it's all about the dark places, the the darkest places that Doctor Who can go. Because this book was a 
not only was it a bit of a slog at times, but it was a heavy read as well. Like everything was just the darkest and most uh, everything except for uh, suitors incorporated that is, but right. <laughs> <laughs> which was, yeah, we'll get to it. But I think yes. the way I want to approach this, I guess we'll just kind of crawl through the book, but I did want to talk really quickly about the, the thing that is interesting about the book and that did uh, I did find um, really cool was that there is a wraparound like you see in a lot of like anthology films or whatever kind of the 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 setting and then they dive into like all of the um but the wraparound story is heavily tied into well definitely heavily really heavily right. tied into one story the story telling tales by david bailey but um tied into the whole concept of what's going on so this this is uh the doctor is kind of in I don't know if he's been enslaved by, but has made a deal with a, a race called the Overseers um, to show or, or to be the kind of showman or the uh, what, are, what they were calling him the uh, yeah the showman was his uh, he's yeah then he's just described for some reason as if readers don't know that it's the doctor <laughs> yeah he's just described the as the showman um, because it was so obvious by the time he gets talking to the first person here that. <laughs> you know this is the doctor but at first i was wondering if he might be the character from uh, carnival of monsters for a moment but then, oh, okay yeah that would be an... it didn't take me long to figure out that wasn't <laughs> what was going on but interesting is that they are they also have like it's almost like a double wraparound in this because they have the linking <laughs> yep. stories and they also have a couple of other little vignettes that sort yeah, of the thing that they call a story what, in the middle. <laughs> they call like, it a forward, but it's not a forward like I've ever read in a book. A forward's usually no. like, oh, the author's <laughs> going to introduce the concept of the book. Yeah. This is actually part of the narrative, the forward and afterward, yes. uh, which all ties into telling tales and then turn, ties in turn ties into the wraparound and then right. turns into the rest of the stories. The stories being stories that the doctor is, you know, showing via this uh machine that can access any point or yeah show somebody any point in the universe that you program it to do um and these kind of rich board the kind of like absolute um pinnacle of uh kind of rich lazy i'm so you know privileged right. so i'm so bored kind of people throughout the universe are paying to experience other people's you know miseries and stuff. miseries yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean well yeah i get the I impression guess... from telling yep. tales that it wasn't just <laughs> miseries always it was like you know they could sign up for whatever but these people were the group that yeah but... yeah yeah i mean yeah as like you said this this machine can help them to experience anything from anywhere and i guess people are just looking for extreme emotions to experience yeah. whether they're negative or positive and I guess so since they've got like the seven deadly sins, they've got seven people who are kind of the avatars of each sin yep. and that the doctor is then showing them, showing them one of his experiences that sometimes a little tenuously. Yeah, to tenuously that <laughs> in many cases here, but yeah, there's a couple that tie in really well. The rest of it's kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. but it works. I, I, yeah, it works. I think it's a creative way to build a wraparound, but yeah, the, the, at times the concept feels very heavy and then it jumps into the story and it's like, you know, not at all. It's a totally different, or even, right. if, it's, even if it's not lighthearted necessarily, it just doesn't really, um, tie into the concept the way you you might have expected it to 
right. even in a short story collection, I don't, I usually don't expect things to tie together as much as some of this right. did, but let's, uh, I guess just spend a few minutes with each of these stories. Um, and I'm going to, for the most part, forego the linking material, like the wraparound. We kind of talked about what that is, but the doctor kind of visiting each of these people, he would kind of, you know, shoot the breeze with them for a few minutes and kind of expose them for what they were. Uh, yeah. And then say, hey, you know, here, look at this story from my life, essentially, that will be a good example of the lesson I'm trying to teach you. It's right. a very kind of high-handed version of the doctor in this book because he, <laughs> he is moralizing to people like, which which he often does, but like in this, it's pretty intense. <laughs> but, yeah, and even there's a, even though they're written by this one person, there's a bit of a variance in the quality, even though each segment is maybe just three or four pages long. There's, a there's still a big bit variance of <laughs> in my quality, opinion. Yes. Like some of them were were darn near, you know, unreadable in my opinion <laughs> there are a few that were fine like it was a good like good conversational piece and i saw that you know i liked what the doctor was doing but right some of them i just like why are we why are we here why are we doing this hit play yes. on the machine please <laughs> like but um yeah and and i don't know how much how familiar you are with jacqueline rayner and her work uh, or how if you've read any of her novels or stories I and i read I've, one of them I found her stuff to be a bit of a mixed bag anyway. So I think that's mm -hmm. a good representation in my, you know, in my opinion of she has a large, large body of work in the Doctor yeah. Who realm. But yeah, um, yeah I know uh, one of her most cherished novels by many people is The Stone Rose, which is a 10th Doctor novel, no, which I not read that one, <laughs> which I purchased and read. And it was fine, but I didn't get the like it got ranked in like the top 10 Doctor Who books kind of thing on. a, And I was like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure I agree with that. But uh, anyway, uh, so, yeah, let's let's dive into uh, the, the Sin Sloth, which is the first uh, story, which is uh, The Duke's Folly by Gareth Wigmore. And this is a first Doctor story takes place in two places, the original TARDIS crew being separated uh, onto each continent or two different continents, the doctor and Barbara posing as a Lord and his daughter in uh, um, England and uh, the, sorry, Ian and Susan uh, in the wild West of America was where we meet them, where uh, Ian is playing the role of a gunfighter. So, right. Well, there's uh, a callback. Yeah. <laughs> um what do you think of this one this was kind of one of the ones where i would say that the connection with the theme was kind of stretching it <laughs> yeah i mean yeah, maybe he was being clever and he looked at his story and went well nothing really happens in this story so it's sloth that's <laughs> yeah it's it's not it's not really a doesn't re it's not really a story that grabs you for the story that's opening up the collection. Yeah. There are some things that I think I had to slightly raise my eyebrow at, like um, Ian being a sharpshooter, which I don't recall <laughs> from, right. the, from Yeah, the show. being like very good at it, like being able to, yep. And there's some odd uh, reference about, I mean, it's which is it's kind of papered over that they managed to murder somebody during their trip. <laughs> it's just yep. kind of yeah, it, it happened yeah, and it's just kind of mentioned like well it's the wild west i mean that kind of stuff happens you know <laughs> like a school teacher and you know maybe susan's a little more uh apt to be uh, well i don't know 
I mean, she's she's screaming her head off at every little thing and she's characterized and sometimes so I don't see her as being a murderer either necessarily, but um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, it's 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 okay. There's nothing that really, uh, yeah, I was not uh, too, too enthralled by it. Like I said, it didn't really grab me for the story that was opening this uh, collection. Yeah, I absolutely um, agree with that as it was a weird story to start with because it is a very... For especially for a Doctor Who story, is very slow um, paced, and it's more of a character piece. Um, I think they kind of put the, uh, or I think the author um, Gareth Wigmore maybe put the Susan and uh, Ian storyline in there to kind of give it some excitement. Uh, the other piece of it is a lot of, um, you know, it's the Doctor is uh, kind of revealed as having become a. Uh, the guardian of this young lord, uh, David Warblington, uh, the right. Duke, of, Duke of Chilgrove. And uh, after he rescued him and his father in India during the war years before, and when his father passed away, when the uh, when David was a young boy, the doctor became his guardian. Um, focus, I guess I would focus on the strengths of the story. I feel like it has a really, really good hand on the characters here. And gives you an especially good look at the more grandfatherly side of the first doctor. Um, you know, because he's still got kind of his spiky uh, outer skin on. But as you find out more about his relationship with this with this young lord, this young right. duke, um, you see, you know, he really is a kind of a big softy. Like he adopted this. He's come <laughs> back and checked up on this guy. And he's really kind of been almost a father figure to him. Yeah, it is interesting when you get these little glimpses of the life of the doctor and friends or acquaintances that he's made that were not uh, seen on the TV screen. And that he even, like you said, that he followed up with, which is not really a trait that uh, we usually uh, identify with William Hartnell's doctor. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I found him to be... You know, very, very, very much the first doctor, but I liked that, you know, they kind of made him or kind of showed that inner kind of, uh, right. I don't know, big softy, I guess, but a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, the, the, the cowboy stuff was fun, but yeah, generally inconsequential. The whole story yeah. generally is inconsequential. Nothing much happens here. Yeah. I they mean, help. even the mission that the doctor sends uh, <laughs> Ian and Susan on, yeah. they don't actually <laughs> do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a vague enough mission that they're supposed to find somebody in the USA and they just sort of randomly <laughs> find the shop that the person owns, but they don't really do anything with it unless I miss something in my reading. But <laughs> yeah. So, nope. I think I think you are right because that was my thing, and I actually like remember laughing about uh, giggling to myself about the sloth thing. I'm like, is that why it's sloth? Because uh, it's literally a, nothing happened in this whole story. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's got good moments. I think he's got a really good feel on these characters. I'm just not sure the story is that interesting. So right. I did find one that it, it's, I found it interesting that they refer to the, um, that the elder Duke of uh, Chilgrove saved the doctor during the Indian mutiny. And there was mm-hmm. a proposed uh, first doctor storyline that was supposed to be set during the, right revolt yep. or mutiny of 1857 so <laughs> yeah. so taking that assuming that story exists then right because <laughs> well yeah i don't think they even yeah. wrote it but <laughs> it's, no i don't uh... <laughs> think so either but i think that's cool that that's yeah yeah 
but we can now assume the doctor was there, right? And he, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm surprised there's no big finish for that as yet. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's uh, one of the uh, missing stories lines. I feel like yes. it was, uh, uh, maybe it was very incomplete. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, uh, so then we move on to um, story number two, which is the second doctor story, that which went away, uh, which is wrath. The seven deadly, seven deadly sin is wrath. That is uh, this one. Um yeah, what'd you think of uh, that which went away by Mark Wright, by the way? Um, again, it's fine. Um, now, part of the concept of the thing is about how the uh, skins uh, sort of transform some uh, Vikings into sort of werebears. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a, is it's a werebear Viking story, you know? No, yeah, like well, although that's, the way it was done really <laughs> sounded seemed a little more akin to i think like the native american skinwalker thing rather mm -hmm. than uh a scandinavian werewolf or werebear as yeah. the case may be i thought so too and i thought it wouldn't you could have told this exact same story in that setting right and not be any <laughs> yeah anyway <laughs> uh, so yeah, otherwise I... uh yeah it's a little uh it's a little vicious there's a lot of a uh, couple of uh nasty massacres and uh people getting murdered all over the place. Um, yeah. I thought it might be a little bit too dark and murky for a second doctor story. And that, and that, and that's fine. I mean, they don't have to necessarily cookie cutter them right out of like the TV series, but um, when you do that to the second doctor, I think you, you kind of hurt his like more, a little bit of his whimsical nature or some of his, uh, um, and especially the way that they kind of waylaid Jamie throughout Right. This um, also kind of hurts the, you know, the great rapport that the doctor and Jamie have. And even right. when Jamie comes back into it, he's obviously been changed because they healed him with this, you know, bear skin. So he's become one of these skinwalkers as well. Um, my main complaint with it is it's it's not a bad read. It's it's entertaining enough, but it compared to the other stories, I think its page count is almost double of almost anything else in the yeah. book. <laughs> that and it, it did. It seemed to go on and on. And it's just, it's really dark and heavy and it doesn't have those kind of fun, funny moments you think, you know, and the kind of three run kind of things and um, not real Pat Troutney. Um, again, and I'm not against that. I don't think you always have to stay in this exact same. Vein. No, for sure. Um, but yeah, for me that when you in this situation, I feel like it kind of lost something. It didn't feel very second doctory. Although I, I don't think he like didn't have a good grasp on the characters. They were fine. It just wasn't a very good setting, good story for the second doctor. And I was a little disappointed in some of the other things about it. Like, um, and, and you just brought this up. But I didn't wasn't really thinking about it when I was reading it. But yeah, I, this totally would have worked in a you know native indigenous American setting, like. Yeah. Probably more so, but anyway, that's fine. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, and the whole wrath thing actually works pretty well here. It does yeah, tie the, in. Yes. Vengeance being say. the thing that drives the, you know, I forget what his name was, but the chieftain over the edge. Um, right. Yeah, no, this definitely did. Yes, the connection was good at <laughs> this one. <laughs> yeah. It was Bjor was the um, the chieftain, right? It's uh yeah. 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 But 
yeah it was pretty pretty rough uh the Bjor's young son is like mutilated and killed and like nice. uh, that's kind of the last straw that drives him over the edge to go and take yeah. take his and vengeance the, against the, the like, good yeah. vikings go and massacre the <laughs> yeah everybody in the well not everybody but many the noble people. savages gone bad right but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it was a rough one again it's i probably put it in my like middle middle deck but it's yeah I, did, I didn't love it. And by by the time I got three quarters of the way through it, I was waiting for it to, I was like, okay, this could be over in time now. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so following that, we, if you haven't noticed, the order of these stories is in doctor chronological order. So that's probably why they couldn't <laughs> help but lead with the Duke's folly, even though it isn't the uh, most exciting opening as they can't not have the first doctor story be first. So um, we go on to the story Angel, which is the third Doctor story, uh, which is the sin of envy, and this is by Tara Sims, which you have just informed me is actually Stephen <laughs> Cole. <so. laughs> well, uh, I will. This I really enjoyed the uh, preamble to it, where the Doctor is talking to another Time Lord who is envious of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I like so that he, too. He gives okay. him this experience. Uh, it's it's this was a bit of a weird yeah one <laughs> again the con- the connection is uh, i think i'll <laughs> end up saying this a loose. lot that it's yeah. <laughs> that the connection was kind of loose to, it's, um, to even call what this what marion <laughs> the, the character the main character in this is uh feeling even describing that as envy is kind of iffy like i'm not even sure that's really the right you know she's certainly talks about and and is very attentive of the people around her the other people in the institution and the other people right but right out envious of anybody i'm not sure that even really comes into it but yeah it's an interesting format in that the doctor is uh, instrumental but doesn't really appear in it too much right he's in and out a couple times yeah it was kind of reminiscent of um if you read um, who killed kennedy by Dave Bishop. I uh, no, long, I haven't. Nope. Back. Yeah, that's an interesting read. But yeah, it's basically the Doctor sort of peripherally appears in places. But uh, so, and yeah, it's just somehow it was the story I found pretty unsatisfying. Even the yeah. writing uh, was it, it really didn't um, grab me at all. Yep, I feel the same way. In fact, I. I wouldn't go as far as saying I hated it, but <laughs> I wouldn't be yeah. too far off, I guess. Like, by, I mean, I don't know. First of all, I think it's kind of a cool approach, like the approach of telling the story mm-hmm. through somebody else's eyes. So the doctor's just this character that comes in. She doesn't know who the doctor is. He's calling himself a doctor. She's surrounded by doctors. He's right. this kind of interesting, offbeat doctor that comes to visit her and talks to her about this, you know. She, he's obviously more in tune with what's going on because she's being controlled by an alien entity. Um, and, but yeah, as it goes on, like, I just, I don't know. I, I was having trouble following kind of the, yeah. exactly what was going on. And then when I finally get put it all together towards the end, it's just like, she, re- <laughs> the doctor tries to help her. She refuses. She dies. It's just like, I also didn't actually get it, but the funnily enough, the synopsis on the Doctor Who guide actually sort of 
explained that what the doctor that she's like feeding off the people in the nursing home where she is mm-hmm. and the doctor basically went around and taught the other patients how to be able to resist her um, attacks so ah, okay <laughs> and that somehow did not come across when i actually I read the story don't recall seeing <laughs> one bit of anything about the doctor corresponding with the other patients yeah. Um, maybe I, mean, I did go back then to read it. I did go back then to read it. And there is a passage there that, okay. And now when I read it with uh, my understanding of what happened, mm-hmm. <laughs> then it made sense. It's like pretty much towards the end. Of the... Yeah. I... And I, which yeah, is I... obviously not the best way to, <laughs> <laughs> right. um, yeah. So page 90, if you want to go back to that, okay, <laughs> it's right now... at the bottom of that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't know. And, and it's, it's certainly possible that it was, I was already tuned out by the time <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just getting, yeah. you know, um, no, I, I, I agree with you hundred percent. I did not care for this one. Um, <laughs> I felt like it was a cruel kind of, uh, misuse of the third doctor and Joe. Uh, this is the story we got for them in this whole collection. So um, this could have literally been any doctor. He was fairly generic. And that is something that John Pertwee is not. He stands out yeah. in the, you know, <laughs> like, um, so yeah. I don't know. I didn't feel yeah. like it I mean, even I'm got a big a... fan of the third doctor. So maybe that's why I was hoping for something. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Even, even, even so, I think it's just not a not a great story, at least in my in my estimation. So, right. it's, uh, not my thing. Um, yeah. So that brings us to the next one, which is the deadly sin of lust, and this is <laughs> the fourth Doctor story, Suitors Incorporated by Paul Majors. I don't envy and... somebody who was uh, told to that. Hey, we need a Doctor Who story about lust. Yeah. What have you got? <laughs> <laughs> interesting approach (laughs) and the the fact that he takes the like light the light touch and makes it kind of a you know comical piece is is good i think Mm -hmm. like trying to do a a real lusty doctor story might not have been the best idea but (laughs) yes um and i think this is actually for me this is where the quality of the stories started uh, picking up yeah uh well it's still a little uneven but i think this might prove to be sort of the high point of the book which is interesting because I've never actually read a Paul Magers. Yeah, is it major? Yeah, I guess I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm adding a syllable maybe to it. I don't know how to M-A-G-R-S. pronounce it. M A G R S. Yeah, maybe um, it is Magers. <laughs> but uh, I've never read any of his stuff. But I've r- read about like that they're supposed to be very different from the normal Doctor Who novel, and that he had <laughs> his own sort of version of Detective Munch. That Iris Wildtime sort of crosses different series and novels of his um and despite all that it was yeah i mean i I enjoyed it a lot but at the same time i did feel i was missing out by not being actually familiar with iris wildheim yeah i was familiar with her in like i've read a description of her character i've heard snippets of katie manning playing her uh on big finish um but yeah, I, I'm not familiar with her really at all, except I think that I have a short story, Big Finish Shorts collection, not short stories, because on a book, it's a audio, but where she shows up and it's a, I think it's a fourth doctor story with uh, with Iris. 
and played by Katie Manning, who's great uh, as Iris is just just as much as just as great as she is as Joe, but even more so because I think she gets to be more Katie when she's Iris. So, but uh, <laughs> um, but yeah. So like this was it was different, but I was familiar enough with the character that when she showed up, I was like, oh okay, well now this makes sense. This like you know, <laughs> Doctor Sexbot thing that's going on makes sense. Right. Um, yeah, so the, the plot of the story is there's these uh, doctor bots that are kind of romance robots made for older women uh, that are like kind of just kind of suitors. I think maybe more, I called them sex bots, but maybe that's not really, there may be more to um, I think they make a reference somewhere. Like, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but they're all modeled after, <laughs> uh, you know, which is kind of hilarious because there is some stories of Tom Baker being a bit of a sex symbol, which is just always kind of, I found kind of humorous because he's just so odd and, uh, but um, a wonderfully odd, but I just didn't see, yes. don't see sex symbol all over him, but, uh, but yeah, so about modeled after the fourth doctor. And so Sarah Jane and Harry Sullivan are, yeah, that's a nice that's a nice touch. <laughs> yeah, or on the case to try and figure out what what is going on and uh Yeah, I mean yeah, it's so. nice that I mean it's set while he's traveling with Romana, but so yep. it's uh, nice that Harry and Sarah are still sort of uh palling around and yeah, solving the, mysteries. Their and... mystery mobile. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I think it's cool that it brought, you know, all of those fourth doctor companions because K9 has, has a presence in it and then we get uh Iris Wildtime of course and um right. We actually we also get a third Doctor robot in there, I believe. Which yes, yeah, gets almost as much page more you know, sophisticated, almost as much third Doctor as the whole third Doctor story gets. Yes. So, um, but um, and I will say that surprisingly, normally I get a little annoyed when a story ends very open endedly, but somehow this one didn't bother me that much. I was a I little no annoyed because I was for the first time in this book having a lot of fun and I went, yeah. Aw. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, there was the awe, like, that, <laughs> but, like, but it wasn't um, normally it's I'm unsatisfied with her. It was like, eh, okay, I can, I can yeah. see the, why he chose to do it like this. I mean, I wish he'd written a little more, but uh, I'm still okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thinking back on it, I think as I was writing my review of this stuff today, I, I was a little harder on it. And then just even talking about it now, I, I did find this to be pretty enjoyable, especially now that I'm going in order back through these, like coming off of the last three stories and getting to this one, it was like a fresh breath of air. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. um, yeah, and it, it is, it's legitimately funny and it captures that fourth Doctor era quirkiness and uh, kind of the Douglas adams -y. Although I wouldn't say this reads like Douglas Adams necessarily, but it's 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 got that kind of quirky middle Fourth Doctor era yeah. feel all over it. So also some um, of the more like I think even Big Finish has come out with some stories like the antimatter and slightly off the wall once. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. No, it's good. I, I I put this in the middle of my. Uh, my stuff but i may reconsider that by the time we get to doing the actual book review but it's um so that brings us to the fifth doctor story the sin of pride and the story is the 57th by john bins and this one finds the doctor and uh, uh, sorry uh, nissa. this one we find the doctor and nissa yep um visiting a 57th century research station uh, where 
somebody has been randomly duplicated by a planet. So uh, the duplicate comes, I think it comes back in from a spacewalk and uh, there are two of him and both of them have the same memories and the same, uh, both claim that they, you know, are the person and uh, the doctor is hired as an expert to go and kind of sort out what is going on in this situation. Right. Um, what are your thoughts yeah. on this one? Uh, I think it's a pretty standard sort of Doctor Who plot, but it ends very... Now, this one ends unsatisfyingly. <laughs> it does, yeah. Although it actually has an ending, but there's no particular... It's like, so the, what, what was it again? <laughs> the Doctor doesn't end up being able to save the day, which actually... I found to be a very interesting way to end a story like this, especially a fifth doctor story. And uh, he's very, I just, just kind of the like way it takes the wind out of his sails that he's not, first of all, he's not able to solve the mystery. Right. He doesn't have a big grand explanation and he loses somebody. Like he isn't able to save the people that he wanted to be able to right. save. Even in and, the beginning of the story, when they first arrive at the station, that is when he tries to, interview the duplicate they start off by saying yeah it doesn't go well at all <laughs> so yeah yeah normally and, he's able to charm his way into <laughs> yeah and actually his is it's almost like throughout the story his question and his pushing of the duplicate actually makes the situation worse in many ways it kind of influences him to react right and uh you know when he when he feels threatened he reacts in a way that you know Right. threatens everybody else there so yes. um I mean, I what's a little unsatisfying is that you know there's no i mean okay they leave it as a mystery mm. that, you know what was it what was it supposed to be doing why how did it how did the duplicate appear but uh, they're not able to figure any of that out so and i guess that's part of what you said that the doctor essentially fails <laughs> yeah and I found this one to be interesting. And actually this is, this is one of my favorites from the book and not necessarily because it's, it's certainly not that fresh breath of air that the last story was. This one is dark and, and um, especially for, you know, pulling it from the fifth doctor, it just, it's very down note from, from the get go. And I do think it's interesting that it's about the sin of pride though, because I wonder if if the whole thing is a bit of an examination of the doctor and and his pride, the way that he walks into a situation, he's very uh, confident and he goes through everything that he, the doctor normally does. He shows up, he starts asking all the right questions. He's handling everything. He's managing, you know, he's managing the other people. He's managing the duplicates. He's getting, getting down to the, the, uh, you know, the crux of the mystery right? and all, everything that the doctor normally does that we see him being so good at and that he, you know, always has success with and saves the day backfires on him. Right. You know, everything the doctor does just makes this problem worse. It makes Ian, Ian, Ian's the man that is duplicated, but the duplicate Ian just becomes more and more, um, right. Paranoid and, <coughs> um, yeah, it just, uh, paranoid to the point where he you know kind of flies off the rails like not only am i an equal but i you know who knows i i'm, I'm superior i should be you know i should be the right. king of this planet kind of thing and just just goes totally off the rails to the point where 
Um, the doctor can't even, doesn't even predict that he's actually going to go through with opening the airlock and killing, right. You know, the people, the doctor's able to save two of the three, but they do lose one of the people. Right. Yeah. Actually that, uh, discussing it like that, that actually makes it a lot more interesting still on the dark side, but yeah. Yeah, we fifth doctor was he, 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 we had warriors of the deep we had uh, <laughs> right. resurrection of the daleks <laughs> so yeah so they, they had dark maybe stuff the darkest there. ever but um <laughs> yeah just to see the doctor at the end it's it's a very you call it an unsatisfying ending and, and i i didn't find it as much unsatisfying as it's just it's a down note ending because right. here's the doctor sitting and talking with nissa and just saying like I don't know what went wrong. Kind of like I, I did everything that I, you know, I normally do and it didn't, I couldn't save them and basically ends up with, I need a vacation. You know, right. <laughs> like this is, you know, yeah, I was a little uh, curious about, there's a couple of points where the writer specifically mentions about Nissa looking at the doctor oddly. And I was wondering that, I don't know if you know what exactly was this like, is the setting of the story just before Terminus or something? Is like, I wasn't really sure what if what I was missing there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. And I think Termin- Terminus was, yeah, maybe that's, that's what they were leaves, getting at. Yeah, but... that's her last one. She decides to stay at the, in the space station. And um, yeah, maybe. Uh, I think that's what I, yeah, I honestly, I, I, I can't remember the exact wording, but I think that's kind of what I was thinking it was, is her leading up to starting to make that decision okay. that she yeah. was going to leave. And maybe this damn you know, dents her perception of the doctor a little bit. Maybe right. he goes into, you know, right. too sure of himself and just uh, drops the ball on this one. I mean, we've certainly seen this situation come up a little bit more in, in modern doctor who the infallibility of, or questioning the infallibility of, you know, people like sure. character like yeah. the doctor um but to see it have to see a, a story like this with the fifth i think was interesting um yeah i, yeah, I appreciated it quite a bit it up. i may have to revise my opinion a little upwards of <laughs> the story <laughs> yeah Looking well you already did that to suitors for me yeah so um <laughs> so yeah on to the next one and this one coincidentally not coincidentally but it's just to let you guys know is the one that we actually pulled out of the randomizer it came up as a single story but is the uh, sin of avarice which is the story telling tales by david bailey this is the story that is heavily tied into the wraparound so this is where we find out what the wraparound is all about so it waits six stories in to give you the whole story um, yeah. this, yeah, this would not have made not been very satisfying to read on its own no all by itself i'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad we made the decision to do the whole book because because asad and and i had talked about prior to you know um sitting down to read this um had talked about we're well will we just do telling tales or should we do the whole book and we opted for well let's do the whole book um and i'm glad we did because just reading telling tales would have been strange without all of this other material i think because it would have seemed like a snippet with no ending and like there's these characters that are unresolved and like yeah it would have been rough (laughs) i'm sure i would have figured out at some point to go and you know flip through right. the book and find some other parts but i think our discussion would have been focused on not just on this one story we right. would have ended up discussing the book anyway <laughs> yep yeah so this is as we mentioned a little bit at the top this is a, concerns a planet that exists in a space outside the universe that can access through technology any moment 
in the entire universe and kind of replay it, capture it, replay it, monkey with it to their own. Um, and they use it as a form of ultra exclusive entertainment for the wealthiest, you know, um, people who want to experience the extremes of things they can experience in the universe. Um, the doctor is uh, through, ends up towards the end of this story, uh, be, make, cutting a deal that he is going to have to be in charge of the machine that shows the, the stories to people. And that's where we get the wraparound of him being right. the showman. So by, you know, by nice episode, but by story number six, we know for sure, if we haven't figured out already, that the doctor <laughs> is the showman, even though she goes on for two more of these yes. <laughs> before telling us having the big reveal that oh it's the doctor but so uh, anyway um yeah so thoughts on telling tales uh it's actually pretty good um uh, and it is a i guess it's a bit of an odd decision that in a book of seven stories you wait until story number six to actually sort of start tying things together <laughs> yeah uh, but uh, for the most part, it's it's no, um, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's a, a pretty sort of uh, I think the doctor is very doctorish, uh, mm -hmm. suitably offended and at uh, the bad guy's uh, plans. And uh, yeah, no, there's um, references to one of the characters experiencing an older incarnation of the doctor. There's. Uh, um, yeah, overall, I th I, th I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Uh, I gotta say. Yeah, I like the the kind of two layers that the story has, and that is it being about Lawrence, this character you meet in the introduction and in the or what they call it the forward and the afterward, um, who is somebody who the doctor kind of left behind, and not like literally, but um, he's ended up in this terrible state uh, post an adventure or some sort of like thing that happened with the doctor and the doctor has promised him he's going to come back he's going to fix it he's going to come back and fix you know his life and get him back to where he's supposed to be and uh so lawrence is just kind of waiting handicapped kind of miserable like uh he has this um kind of infatuation crush on the uh, woman who is his caretaker and she right. decides to leave him um, to, to go get, be married to something to quit her job essentially. And so he's going through that kind of loss of this companion, this person that means a lot to him and kind of coming to realization that he probably doesn't mean as much to her <laughs> as uh, he, as she does to him. And then we have this like kind of crazy sci-fi adventure about it, you know, this interstellar, you know, kind of modern television that can let people live these experiences and uh, how it all ties together doesn't become obvious until later. <laughs> right. um, but it, it, it's, it makes sense then because the story, when they go back to Lawrence, they also describe how everything really seems to be going wrong for him. That replacement caretaker doesn't come. And he, when he calls the agency, nobody calls him back and he's just sort of miserable and, and it all makes sense in the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the, the sixth doctor and, and Perry, like they, they got the characters perfectly. The sixth doctor has his, you know, kind of righteous outrage and he's got that right. Colin Baker uh, thing down. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think it's, it's well-written. It was one of my favorites in the book. I am like we said, you know, earlier, I'm very glad we didn't try to tackle this by itself. Cause I'm not sure I would have known 
what to make of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, as, as a part of the whole, this yeah. was a very satisfying story. And I think when you tack on the, all of the linking material plus the forward and afterward, this makes a pretty, I wouldn't want to wade through all of that linking material, but it makes yeah. it make sense. <laughs> like, uh, but, yeah, for sure. And I mean, um, it's, uh, it sort of ends also on the, well, here's what we're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's got a good kind of cliffhanger, although you know how it's going to come out, I think, but um, yeah, this was, this was a good one. And I feel like, if they didn't have to be kind of a slave to the format of it has to be first doctor, second doctor, third doctor, fourth doctor, which, which I like, I find I get the gimmick and it's cool, but this probably should have been the lead story, right? Like this should have been the one that, um, a little early. Yeah. yeah. And then they wouldn't have to mess around with that forward afterward stuff. This could have been in there and then you would have seen, you know, the showman right. <laughs> all, it would have all made sense. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that would have given too much away and taken some of the mystery, but the mystery doesn't always work for me. It's kind of, <laughs> no. yeah. but yeah, yeah I mean, I you certainly get the point that they're trying to, how it's going to go with the, after maybe the first story, <laughs> right? how these interludes are going to go. So then it just depends on how interestingly they're written after that. Right. Yeah. I think it's probably like, how many are there? There's about well, seven. Um, and I think there are probably two or three of them that are good, interesting things. Like you mentioned the one that the, the prior to the third Doctor story about where he meets the Time Lord yeah. that he knew from the Academy. That one's cool. I like that one a lot. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. the one. I think it's the one prior to the next story we're going to talk about, the gluttony one with the chef that I kind of liked too. Uh, it was yeah. kind of an interesting conversation. <laughs> but they're all kind of like conversation pieces of the Doctor kind of talking down. I shouldn't say talking down to people, but like moralizing at people essentially and sometimes it's a bit tiresome and it's just like okay let's get to yeah. the story now so yeah and this one also i mean the one that precedes this story was uh just kind of weird i think because the character he's talking to also is seems just um well uh, yeah it's it's a little unsatisfying but actually now that i'm thinking back on it i think she's is supposed to be just a very focused person so Mm -hmm. I retract my comment. Yeah, well, she was the one that she was kind of, <laughs> I want to say librarian-esque, just like focused into like... Into business. Yeah, yeah. Business, that's right. Yep, I remember. Yeah. So <laughs> it was a slightly, I would say, slightly annoying uh, pattern that they had her in. Yeah. But, uh, but now that I'm talking, now that I'm saying it out loud, I think I'm realizing sort of the what they were going for that she's supposed yeah. to be probably some sort of autodidact or something. So, yeah. yeah, the, the concept is very strong and the concept works very well, but sometimes is that the, at the cost of the stories and of the pieces themselves, so, right. unfortunately, <laughs> but that brings us to our final seventh and final story is the seventh doctor story. The sin of gluttony uh, story is too rich for my blood by Rebecca Levine. And, uh, yeah, this, one, this is a this is a real 
new adventure, <laughs> big finish, yeah. seventh doctor story with like yep. people dying all over the place and big, a very dark resolution. Zombie, <laughs> yes. Vegas, like all kinds of stuff you would have never seen on the TV show. But yeah, it, it fits right in with the new adventures kind of, uh, including having new adventures characters as well. Right. Because uh, uh, Benny and um, was it Chris? This, yes. Uh, yeah. Chris Squedge. Squedge, yeah. Squedge. And uh, they, luckily, I'm familiar enough with who they are through uh, a little bit of my reading and, and through Big Finish stuff that that I wasn't totally lost. Um, Benny, obviously, uh, uh, Bernice Summerfield, I know quite well. I've even listened to some of the, her uh, Big Finish um, dramas as well. Um, right. So yeah, this one, this one, um, totally different than anything else in the book which i like in big short story collections like this was just kind of off the wall um i actually ended up getting a big kick out of this it's totally not dr Huey. it's it's <laughs> you know a big kind of like blood and guts <laughs> you know just being set in las vegas is a good like sign of what this is going to be like it's kind of a big larger right. than life but it's got some cool set pieces the doctor versus zombies is always kind of cool or they're like rage zombies or something like that. Uh, I like yeah. the, the idea. They're kind of all, all uh, locked in a casino with like cannibalistic creatures. Uh, Benny's involved in playing a high stakes game with a uh, poker game with a bunch of alien uh, um, aliens who are controlling the disease that is turning people into the rage monsters. But um and that is kind of the interesting thing that uh, uh, it's, uh, and I think the doctor, what he thinks is going on, isn't actually going on. Yep. I love that about it too. <laughs> I don't know. I guess that's my, I don't know why I'm so attracted to the two stories in this where the doctor kind of comes up short a little bit, but um, <laughs> in this one, it's really amusing because the seventh doctor kind of figures out at one point, he's like, oh, I've got that all wrong, don't I? <laughs> like, right. like, um <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I this one was a good page turner. It it is not like good classical Doctor Who necessarily, but I haven't read a whole lot of the New Adventures novels, but I knew right away that this just the feeling of this fit in kind of that universe. And right. being that it had those characters, I was like, okay, well, I'm fine with that. I see where this is going, <laughs> like where this is supposed to be. And and yeah, this is probably even more so than Suitors for me. Um, Suitors was funnier, but I think this one was just a lot of fun. It was, <laughs> it was, you know, kind of big, stupid American-esque entertainment. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, they have a couple of interesting things like how that aliens and tying into the birth of Las Vegas and yep. casino things. Um, That's right. Yeah. I guess this would actually end up being really towards the end of the seventh doc of the new adventures era because um chris is here but his uh, other fellow adjudicator is not so she's probably dead and so she died in one of the last novels of the range hmm. i wonder if it so, actually picks up where the range ends kind of and i know the range continues without the doctor as right. well but yeah <laughs> um but, I, I yeah, also I'm, love it that the big the big bad's name is Chuck in this as well. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it's a and again, it's a very sort of grim resolution presented by the seventh Doctor as he was in the the Master Manipulator 
Yeah. And the new adventures. So, uh, I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of uh, zombie things. So, this was not necessarily that much for me. It was well written. Um, but, yeah, I'm not a not a big fan of zombies. Yeah. It's like, ugh. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. What was the, the resolution? I just tried to work it. Remember how it all worked out. But like they had to uh, he well, fed he fed the aliens to. Yeah. The, people, the one the alien who had who had actually because I guess the other aliens were didn't know what was going on. But the one alien was uh, had uh, put a virus or something that yeah. caused the zombification. Chuck, right? Yeah. Chuck was. the Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, so the doctor pretty much feeds the zombies, and... the zombies. Yeah, and he <laughs> yeah, apologizes about it, but yeah, it's still a very like <laughs> it, only only the later seventh doctor is going to get away with that kind of thing, I think. But um, <sighs> it is a totally different kind of Doctor Who, and I've I'm I'm kind of a fan of it, and I want to read more of it. It just, um, but it's with the the caveat every time that you know this is this is not going to be doctor who of the television program this is right, kind of its right. own its own monster so right yeah this was when eh, doctor who that's not coming back so let's <laughs> yeah see, let's see go whatever we, we want <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah i enjoyed it it's a lot i thought it was a lot of fun so um yeah and then so after that we just get the kind of closing down of the um I don't even remember what they called the machine experience machine that the doctor as the showman was. Uh, and uh, and then we get the afterward where Lawrence finally gets right. His visit or his uh, fix from the doctor, but, or at least we assume he does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess the only sort of thing then that maybe doesn't work towards the end is that it's really, I, I don't really know even then if these stories were intense enough for <laughs> all these people to be like rehabilitated that yeah. he's, I mean, I like the... the thought. I certainly like the idea that the doctor has rehabilitated all these uh, people. <laughs> so the greedy person isn't so greedy and the general isn't so bloodthirsty and all mm. these things that he sort of healed them. And I like that as a concept. I'm just kind of, uh, I don't know, stories weren't all that amazing that it should make them have a, such an epiphany <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah especially i think of suitors incorporated changing anybody's life like that you know i <laughs> but again like i think i think it's because their adherence to the concept is so strong that sometimes it falls apart because that story doesn't quite fit it it just kind of like makes the whole thing a little rickety because yeah, it's it. I have trouble believing that some of those stories really cause somebody to be like, "Oh, okay, well, I'm going to." I've seen the error in my ways, <laughs> you know. But uh, conversely, like I said, I like the concept that he fixes these people, and at least to some extent, and it doesn't end with like the overseer planet exploding or something like that. Right. So, <laughs> which is also a common resolution. <laughs> Yeah, he basically just ruins their business. Like yeah. <laughs> no one's interested in watching their crummy shows anymore. Like, <laughs> um, and then he and he goes back and uh, helps uh, Lawrence as well. Yep. Not sure how, but uh... <laughs> he, he just whisks him away, right? Implications the, there. You know. Yes. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, I uh, assume I assume Lawrence gets the fix that the doctor had planned for him. So, but so. Um, what? Just just curiosity. Uh, after I've read this whole thing, I assume that. Um, I was always picturing, especially based on the uh, the cover photo of this, that the eighth doctor is the doctor that is the showman um once i figured out that it was the doctor but i was curious if you got that impression and if you were imagining it being the paul mcgann doctor or if you were kind of kind of jumping around or no i think i think yeah it only made sense for it to be the paul mcgann doctor especially a with the cover yeah, that, that's yeah. kind of a dead giveaway. If it wasn't intended, <laughs> like that's going to cause anyone to think, oh, okay, I get it. Like, right. it's him. And, and it's they, Seven they Deadly Sins is listed as the eighth story <laughs> and like all the yeah, synopsises. And yeah, they make a reference to a green velvet coat at one point, which yep. could, of course, also be the third doctor, but <laughs> probably <Yeah>. isn't. <laughs> yeah. And once I it actually helped me enjoy it a little more once I figured out like, Oh, okay, this is, this is the eighth doctor. This is McGann. I start hearing his voice. Right. And then, then all of a sudden it's a lot of the stuff he's saying. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I can totally hear this is this, is the eighth doctor. This makes sense. So yeah. Um, brought a little more enjoyment out of those. I'm still wasn't a big fan of the wraparound stuff. The concept itself was fine, but going re going back and revisiting that same thing every time was a bit tedious right. for me, but yeah, sometimes it, and sometimes it, did go on a little longer than it needed to <laughs> yeah yes we get the point <laughs> so um yeah that's that's the book that's seven deadly sins uh it's a short trips book by big finish volume 12 um yeah i guess uh before we sign off here do you have any final thoughts and uh if you or any final thoughts that you have, and then when you're done with that, let's go ahead and give this a grade out of five deadly sins because <laughs> that's the only thing we have. <laughs> no, I think everything. I think I pretty much managed to get out whatever thoughts I had about it. It's it's a yeah, it's a reasonable read. Um, probably wouldn't uh, go jumping out of my way to find it, but um, it's also good enough to while away in a couple of hours. So well, I don't know if that counts as damning with faint praise, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's appropriate kind of. So. Uh, so what do you think of a great grade wise out of five deadly sins? What do you, where do you think this would land? How many deadly sins do we get? Uh, anywhere between three to 3.5, I guess. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I, I, I'm kind of like right in the same place with it. The whole thing's supposed to be like this exploration of the darker side of humanity through the lens of Doctor Who. Yeah. It's a very like, <laughs> you know, heady concept. Uh, I think it accomplishes most of what it set out sets out to do, but unfortunately, at times, it makes it a rather unpleasurable experience to actually read. Yeah. So um, the Doctor as the showman works sometimes, doesn't work at other times. Um, I think it... it like I said, by the end of the book, going going back to the showman in between every story, I was kind of like, okay, come on, let's get with it. So um, I don't know. Somehow my experience with Doctor Who short stories has rarely been particularly good. It's usually been kind of average. There's Even always the new, 
Oh, sorry. Even the newer yeah. collections, I've, yeah. I've always, I've never really come out. I think the only one, and I, I may be beating a dead horse with this, the only <laughs> one that I found really exciting was uh, Moffat's Continuity Errors. <laughs> oh, okay. Yep. Now, granted, I have not read a lot of the short stories, because I'm only talking about the ones I have. So I may be being unfair. <laughs> yeah. And in my experience, and I've read some mostly uh, newer BBC books, like from the new series, short stories. And I feel like you're right. It's it's a 50-50 at best, usually, for what I really enjoy to what I... It's never like... I mean, it's Doctor Who. I'm never like, oh, I you know, throw this away. I'm not. I'm going to quit. And you know, I never hate it. But yeah, I think you're right. There's it's it's kind of 50 50. Um, yeah. Some of these stories in this collection were a little bit like too dark. I don't know what and I'm not one that is turned off by dark stuff, obviously, but I just for like the subject material, it seems like it goes from being like kind of downtone to some things being like outright devastating, right. like uh, <laughs> the second doctor story. And this just didn't sit well with me for some reason. Um, right. And uh, yeah. yeah, but at least it ends on a, ends on a positive note. <laughs> it does, <laughs> managed yeah. to refrain from. <laughs> yeah. The concept here back. is super, extremely well executed, but yeah, you have to get through the bad stuff. So that being said, in my opinion, I think the gems here were the 57th, Too Rich for My Blood, and Telling Tales were my favorite three. Um, I think the ones that just didn't click with me were Angel, um, That Which Went Away, and the other three, the other two of them, uh, Duke's Folly, Suitors Incorporated, and all the linking stuff, I think were just kind of like middle of the road for me. Oh, as we talked about Suitors Incorporated, it grew on me, like brought a smile to my face. So I'm going to put that one probably in the like light <laughs> thumbs up column too. So um, overall, I think I'm going to go, and this is actually, I'm putting this, I'm going to bump this up a little bit from what I wrote down on paper as we talked about it. I think I enjoyed it a little more than I was, uh, I was being a little harsh, but I'm going to give it three out of uh, Deadly Sins out of five. So I was originally going to go with a 2.5, but just that it merited a good conversation. I think it was... Uh, yeah, worthy of the three deadly sins. So that's 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 a fairly good read, I think. Uh, I can I can yeah. suggest it. Uh, I don't know if I suggest um, hunting down the thirty five dollar hardcover copy that you that is the <laughs> cheapest one you can find out there. But if you do come across it somehow, um, you know it's it's certainly not a bad piece for the collection if you are a collector of Doctor Who books. So. Um, before we get out of here, uh, just like every time, we're going to hit the big button on the randomizer and see what it is we're going to cover next time on the show. And uh, seems like we're going to stay kind of uh, jaded among um, in the in the oh. darkness in the <laughs> of Doctor Who because we pulled. Other than the twin dilemma, perhaps the television episode that is the most derided that I've ever heard of, of Doctor Who, and that is we're going to watch Love and Monsters, which is from uh, Series uh, 2, Episode 10. Okay. It is the first of the Doctor Light episodes, I remember, yes. and uh, often tops the lists of people's least favorites. So we'll have to see what we make <laughs> of that. Um, yeah, be interesting, uh, and uh, we'll... Be well, also be welcoming back uh, Matthew Kressel next time as well. And um, yeah, I, unless you have yeah. anything else to say, I think that's all, all we got for this I time. Don't know. 
It should be interesting because I have um, not re-watched it since it first aired. And I'd be curious to see if my impressions were, if I'm suffering from uh, false memories about it. Or... <laughs> yeah. I, I've seen it twice. I think I thought on my, on my original watch of, of the series. And then I think I've gone, we watched the entirety of series two again, like later on. And I think we just watched through it. So I think I have seen it a couple of times, but I'm going to save my opinions on it for next time. So. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, just to let everybody know, I do, we do, the show does have a new email. Uh, if you do want to reach out to us, we are policeboxpodcast at gmail.com. Um, go ahead and send us any feedback or questions or comments uh, that you have about the show. I will uh, respond to them as soon as I can, or we could even, uh, if you have a review or something you want to add to the discussion, be happy to read it on the show. Uh, also have our own SoundCloud page that I'm getting launched. Um, uh, and as I mentioned at the top of the, the show, we are the uh one of the four flagship podcasts of the new doctor who podcast network the direction point uh so check that out and uh three other incredible doctor who podcasts to keep you uh you know busy for a while there so Saad, i want to thank you for joining me uh, like always it's always, always a pleasure, pleasure. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh we'll see you all next time for love and monsters thank you for listening to the police box in the junkyard podcast a proud member of Direction Point, a Doctor Who podcast network. Join Eric, Asad, and Matthew next time for another random review from the worlds of Doctor Who. Everything ends as always sad. Send your feedback to policeboxpodcast at gmail.com and remember if you take the time to write it, we'll take the time to read it. Until next time. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. It's the end, but the moment has been the Doctor Who theme was composed by Ron Grainer and arranged as Doctor Who Retro Theme by Neon Frontier. All rights to Doctor Who and its related materials belong to the BBC. Somewhere there's danger. Somewhere there's injustice. Somewhere else the tea's getting cold. Come on, Ace. We've got work to do. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.